Our scripture reading for this morning is from Lamentations 3, 14 to 26. I have become the laughingstock of all my people, the object of their taunt songs all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, gone is my glory and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. The thought of my affliction and my homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to all who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And from 2 Timothy 2, verses 11 to 13, the saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Do you remember where you were when 9-11 happened? I remember where I was because I was in bed, very sick, and watching the TV and the news about this thing that was happening right in front of my eyes. I think by the time I tuned in, the second tower was hit uh, by the plane and, and uh, I was in shock. I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. And I remember thinking and worrying about my younger brother, because my brother, the night before, with his friend, drove to New York from Toronto uh, for a vacation. And back then, we didn't have cell phones, so I wasn't able to reach him and wondered how he was doing. And then I remember seeing the two towers fall and thinking, this is crazy. How can this be happening? New York City, which some would call one of the greatest city on earth, at least to New Yorkers, faced a tra tragedy that we still remember today. Everyone who was old enough to remember can remember what they were doing when that happened, when the city fell. The city of Jerusalem was like a city like New York to the Jews. It was the epicenter of their culture and the city of Yahweh. In the book of Lamentations, which was probably written by Jeremiah, Jeremiah's writing as he's mourning and lamenting the fall of this great city. The city of Jerusalem has fallen. The city in which the temple of God resides, 
the temple where the very presence of God dwelt, is now destroyed. She is now a slave, a widow, and is deserted. Under the reign of King David and Solomon, the nation flourished. But after Solomon's death, and the, the kingdom was divided into two different kingdoms. We had uh, the northern kingdom, which was Israel, and the southern kingdom, which was Judah. And many immoral and unfaithful kings would follow after these two kings, and these kingdoms would eventually fall. The Jewish people would be exiled to a foreign land of Babylon. And according to the history books, in 586 BC, the city of Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar II. And because the people of Jerusalem resisted, uh, the Babylonians destroyed the city utterly. They had a thing called the scorched earth policy where they would burn everything. And then they would salt the fields so that nothing would grow. And they would also cl close up wells so that no one could live there. The people of Abraham are now without land, without a home, and without much hope. And this is the setting of Lamentations. And let me just read you what Jeremiah was feeling at this time. Jen Christman already read this for us, but I'll read it for us again. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Is this how we are feeling right now? This pandemic has been going on for the past three months, which feels even longer. And what we used to enjoy in this great city of Toronto seems lost. All the plans that we had, all the things we wanted to do, they are gone. Not only are we still in this pandemic, but the injustice in the death of George Floyd and, and what is going on in the States and even in Toronto is leaving us feeling angry, sad, deprived of peace. Our souls are downcast. Why is this happening, God? Did we do something wrong? Why is this happening, oh God? Where is your goodness? When will this end? And it's in this context, I want us to look at our next fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Faithful me faithfulness means to be trustworthy, someone you can count on, someone you know who will be there for you when things are hard, the person you can call upon when everything feels like it's falling apart. Faithfulness also means to be able to endure and persevere. It is the ability to keep going when the going gets tough. It's the ability to stay true to who you are. So faithfulness is not just the ability to be trustworthy and reliable, but also is the ability to endure and stay true to who you are. Can you think of a person like that? 
a person that you could call upon without worrying about stepping on their toes or, or having to pay them back for getting help from them. I was thinking of what are some examples of faithfulness in the world. And the first thing that came to me was the uh, thing called uh, Old Faithful. I just learned that, that they ha- actually have a live stream online that you can go and watch these eruptions. And it's called Old Faithful because you can rely on it pretty well. The people who predict these uh, eruptions can predict it up to 90% and within, I think, 20 seconds or 20 minutes, I think. Um, I think we have a picture of it somewhere. Um, There you go. And so I went and actually checked it out. And they actually have a website and webcam where you can go and see when the next eruption is. And it's called Old Faithful because without fail you know this geyser will go off. There's another thing in our world that we know without fail happens every day. Like clockwork, the sun rises and sets every day. We use the sun to measure time, or in the past at least we did, and when the sun sets and we have night, we don't really think twice about whether or not the sun will rise again in the morning. We just know without ever worrying that the sun will come out tomorrow. Like, I bet you your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. And, and this is what we say about our God, that God is a faithful God. Look at what Paul says about the faithfulness of God in verse 2, of, in chapter 2, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He can't help it but be faithful. Because God is, because faithfulness is part of his character. Just as the sun cannot not rise every day, God cannot not be faithful because it is who he is. Like, can you imagine if God wasn't, wasn't faithful? What would happen if our God was as fickle as we are? What, what if he changed his mind and said, uh, you know what, I don't really feel like letting the sun rise today. You know, I'm just not in a good mood, and, and I want to just have darkness for, for an extra 12 hours or 24 hours. How would our world function in a world where we don't know if the sun will rise again tomorrow. Can you imagine going to bed every night just worrying about, okay, will the sun rise again tomorrow? But we don't think that way. We innately trust that the sun will rise because it has risen in the past. It rises every day. And so we trust in the sun to rise without ever worrying Yet with God, we question and worry about his faithfulness. Why do we do that? Is it because we know if we were in a relationship with someone who was as unfaithful as we are, that we cannot imagine us being faithful to someone who is unfaithful to us? So how can this person, how can God be so faithful when we are so unfaithful? But this is why God is God and we're not. He is true to who he is. He does not waver or lose sight of who he is 
as, as, as we would. And this is what makes God. He is sure of himself. And this is why God addresses himself as, I am who I am. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is good news. Really good news. One of the characters in the Bible that that I think about when we think about someone who's faithful is Abraham. He is in, you know, the hall of fame of of the heroes of faith, right? In, In Hebrews 11, that chapter of faith, you know, the writer lists all these people, and Abraham is part of that list. And I really like the fact that Abraham is in that list because, to be honest, from what I can tell, Abraham wasn't as faithful as we think he would be. Not once, but twice, Abraham lied that his wife was his wife and actually said that he, she was his sister because he was worried that this king who thought his wife was so pretty would kill him and take his wife, so he lied. And it happened twice. Later on, we know that God, you know, promises Abraham and, and says that he would be a great nation. And so Abraham leaves um, his home to this new country. And, and God promises him to be a great nation. And yet Abraham is pretty old and Sarah is past the childbearing age and they're without any children. And so even though Abraham believed in God, Abraham and Sarah decided, you know, maybe we need to give God a little bit of a nudge. And so why don't we take Hagar and and see if we could have a child with him. So for someone who is supposed to be so faithful, and and there are times where where we do see Abraham have faith, you know, he made a lot of mistakes. Yet he's considered one of the heroes of faith. And that's what gives me hope. Because I know that I'm not as faithful as I can be, and and I make a lot of mistakes. And his story and countless other stories in the Bible show that God is the one who is faithful and trustworthy. Even when we make mistakes, when we don't follow his ways, he is the one who stays true to his promises and is faithful. And that is amazing news. God is faithful even if we are not faithful, because he cannot deny himself. Paul actually says something similar in Romans chapter 3, verse 3. He says, What then? If some did not believe, will their unbelief cancel God's faithfulness? Absolutely not. God must be true, that is true to who he is, even if everyone is a liar or cannot be true to who they are. In 2 Timothy, in our passage today, uh, chapter 2, Paul gives us this saying. He says, here is a trustworthy saying. This word trustworthy is actually the word pistis, which, from which we get the word faith. It's the same word that is used in our Galatians passage that talks about the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. It's the same word. And Paul says here, the, the faithful word or the faithful saying here is that if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. 
If we died with Him, we will also live with Him. Here, Paul is referring to our, our baptism in Jesus, that the act of baptism symbolizes for us our participation in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And this relates to our current ser- series as of the fruit of the posthumous life, the fruit that is produced in the death and after death of Jesus is also the fruit that we get to join in as our lives, as we enter into the death and resurrection of Jesus for ourselves. That is when we die with him, we also live with him and receive the Holy Spirit who produces his fruit in us. And in this posthumous life, in our posthumous life, we are to endure and to be faithful. Some of you may have noticed that in verse 12, Paul says, if we deny him, he will also deny us. How can he say that and then say God is faithful even if we are unfaithful? How can he say that if we deny him then, that he will deny us? And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just but make a quick point that if God is a loving God, he will not force someone to be in relationship with him. If he were to use his power, his, his, his might, his authority to force someone to be in relationship with him or to love him, we would call that a misuse or an abuse of power or assault. So God would not do that as a loving God and doesn't force a relationship with us. So what does the book of Lamentations have to do with faithfulness? We often think of being faithful as being able to have faith in God no matter what. Sometimes we think doubting God or or questioning God is to be unfaithful. If we say to God, why are you letting this happen to me? How can you say you love me and, and my life is falling apart? It can feel as though we are being unfaithful to God, as if we are not trusting in Him. But what if I said to you that biblical faithfulness comes with, the, comes with it our ability to doubt and question God? In fact, to be faithful means, to, means for us to approach God with all of our being, which includes our doubts and questions and all the emotions that come with us when we face uh, hardship and trouble in our lives. God is big enough to handle our questions, our anger, our doubts, and all of the emotions that come with being human. And in the book of Psalms, many of these Psalms are written as a way to help us deal with the emotions of, of pain and sorrow. And, and, you know, there are these different genres of, of Psalms. The Psalms were basically the, the songbook for the people of Israel. So they had different genres like rock and rap and and uh, soft rock, adult contemporary, you know, that's, that's a good one, smooth jazz. <laughs> but no, like Psalms had things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Psalms of Thanksgiving and praise. As they had songs of ascent as they were going up to worship God. But more than any kind of genre, the, the greatest or the largest amount of psalms in one genre was the, is the genre of, of lament. 
So the way in which the book of Lamentations and, and Psalm, book of Psalms, helps us is that it gives us words to express our emotions that come with suffering to a God who is big enough to handle them, a God who is faithful enough to be faithful even when we are not. And there's a difference between us just complaining and crying out to God and versus lamenting to God because lament is a form of prayer. Lament can include our complaints and our cries and even our whines, and, but it's, it's within the context of trust. It is with the understanding that God is faithful in the midst of our questions and our doubts. Dove Jang, uh, a philosopher, not a philosopher, a, a, a professor in um, the United Kingdom, says this about lament. Laments bear witness to an ever-present listener, Yahweh. When the problem of pain moves the psalmist to appeal, confess, question, complain, or reproach, all elements of laments are always directed to Yahweh. Laments help the faithful to experience God's ever-present faithfulness. In our Lamentations passage today, the writer has just spent over 64 verses of expressing this deep suffering and of losing his city and the country of, of, of his birth. And now the writer turns to what will give him hope. Listen to what he says here in verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The, the writer reminds himself about God's great love. The great love here is the Hebrew word hesed that we talked about before. It's his steadfast, loyal, kind love. And it is because of this faithful love the writer has hope. Just as the sun rises every morning, the faithfulness of God never fails. Lament, lament is then a faithful response to God when our life or our world is falling apart. The fruit of the spirit of faithfulness can be expressed in our lament to a faithful God. And right now, there are a lot of things for us to lament. We have to deal with the stress of working from home, helping our kids learn and trying to stay insane uh, or sane. I feel insane, so I, but trying to stay sane in this time of isolation. There are those in our world who have lost loved ones, who are dealing with cancer and other diseases. There are those who have lost their businesses, those who have lost their jobs. Our frontline workers who are facing death regularly and risking their own lives to help others. And if the pandemic wasn't enough right now, we are witnessing the injustice of the death of George Floyd and others like him, and the racism that has been part of our history for way too long. People are broken, sick, and are dying physically and spiritually. This is the time for us to lament. And so that's what I want to invite us to right now. And if you feel as though you have never been able to lament, I want to give you the permission to do so. You're allowed to feel 
what you are feeling. You're allowed to ask God questions, even blame Him for what's going on. You're allowed to express all of your emotions to Him. He can take it. He is faithful because He can't deny who He is. So I want to give you a few moments to, to pray on your own, to express whatever the emotions that you are going through now with God. And then after that, uh, I'll lead us in a prayer of lament that was written by Jenna Smith that I have uh, adapted for us today. So let's spend some time in prayer. Lord, who sees all, who knows all, we lament today for a world gone wrong. We cry over the loss of life. We lament over those sick and those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We cry for the tired health workers, healthcare workers, for the leaders who need to make difficult decisions, for the fatigued parents and caregivers, and for the social services in our city. We ache for those who created life for our city, for the small businesses, the entrepreneurs, the restaurants, the athletes, the artists, the nonprofits, and the churches, and who are now facing economic hardships. We are mindful of the most vulnerable, the homeless, the lonely, the refugees, and we lament the, that the least of these are often the hardest hit. We bring to you our frustrations due to interruptions, our disappointments due to canceled plans, our anxiety over this pandemic, and our angst at a silent God in times of suffering. We lament with lives that have been lost due to racism, like George Floyd and others like him who can't breathe nor have the voice to speak. We come to you with our anger, our own fears of those who are different than us and not knowing the best way to respond. We lift all of these to you. God, because even in the midst of our pain, of the pain and horror we see in this world, we call to our minds, and therefore we have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.